Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Posing the age-old question, what's in a name, is the perfect way to introduce my next guest. And I cannot think of a name more fitting for a person with such a big heart and a whole lot of love to share. That's right. I'm talking about the one, the only, Allie Love. And by the way, that is her real name. Allie is the epitome of a multi-hyphenate. She's a Peloton instructor, model, dancer, Today Show contributor, arena host of the Brooklyn Nets, CEO and founder of her female empowerment company, Love Squad, and so much more. She is a one-woman hype machine on a mission to empower, encourage, and uplift. Through her workouts and with her words, Allie helps others approach their mental and physical well-being in a positive light, providing motivation and good energy every step of the way. Allie is someone who inspires. That is just what she does. And today, I'm talking to Allie about what inspires her, where she finds inspiration within her to share her light with the world, from her faith to her family, to the tried and true routines that keep her on track. The Allie you're about to meet is different from the one you'll see on screen. This is Allie Love, off the bike, shoes unclipped, heart wide open. She shares her love with me, and I can't wait to share it with you. I'm Hoda Kotb. Welcome to my podcast, Making Space. First of all, this is the coffee that we've been longing to have, me and Allie Love, (laughs) right? We wanted to sit and enjoy a coffee. I'm so happy that I get to ask you all questions about your life because I've been totally curious. Before I knew you, I knew you like so many Mm -hmm. um, from your Peloton days. Do you remember the day Jenna Bush and I were at a luncheon and we had never met you? And we squealed with delight when we saw you. Do you remember that day? Oh my gosh, you made me feel like Beyonce. Like I was Beyonce and Cher at the same time. We were like, Allie Love, and we realized there was already a line at you. So what I'm what I was struck with before I get into your life is the fact that you are able to reach out and touch people in this very profound way, often without ever meeting. And it's something beyond what you do, because a lot of people do what you do. Mm-hmm. It's something else. Um Describe what you think is going on in these interactions you have with people. Well, one, I'm I am very grateful when I have these interactions. Yeah. When you and Jenna screamed, it made my whole life because yeah. I'm like, Hoda and Jenna are like screaming <laughs> for me in a room full of other women. It was just like one of those moments that I will never forget. Mm-hmm. It made me feel so cool. I was like, I'm cool guys. <laughs> um, but no, I'm really grateful for the interactions. I know that there's a responsibility that comes along with being a public mm-hmm. figure, but more so when I am in people's homes, right? I'm taking up space. Their Mm -hmm. kids can hear my voice. Mm. They hear what I say. Mm. I'm very mindful of that. And so in terms of what do I think is happening, I genuinely think for many of us, myself included, 
the lonely part of me in those dark times, mm-hmm. I'm connecting with those folks. Mm. I think the lonely part of me connects with some folks that may feel lonely or different or other or just imperfect, which we all are. Mm-hmm. But we have this desire to be mm-hmm. perfect, right? To be our best selves, to be yes. on and ready to go. And we can't sustain that even day to day or even within a day. And so being in people's homes, in their minds, in their ears, a part of their feed, right? Social media of whatever that looks like. I think they connect with my level of humanity, which is so important for me. I always say I'm private, but I'm always transparent. I let you know. That's interesting. You're private, but transparent. I like that because sometimes you you feel like you know someone. People know you from the Peloton bike and they, they hear your encouragement. But how do you decide what is just for you and -hmm. your family and your tribe and what you put out in the world? Well, I think the fine line for me is that my family didn't sign up to be in Mm -hmm. the limelight, in the public eye. They didn't opt in for that life. It came by way of me or it comes by way of me. And so I'm very mindful to protect (laughs) that space. Mm -hmm. I do tell stories on the bike at Peloton like this morning. I'll talk about my dad or I talk about my mom or the piece of chicken wing that I roll up in aluminum (laughs) foil to go to church with, you know, all the things. I talk about my sister, but I make sure that I don't not out them, but I don't give too much information about their lives so that they can live their lives comfortably. Same thing with my husband. So I'm private in that I protect my loved ones, but I'm transparent in that I'm having a crappy day today. Or today I'm feeling that tired. When we were talking about being a little tired is like second wind is a choice. That's where I am. It's one of those long days and and I'm not done yet. Right. You're still still rolling. So I'm transparent of where I am and how I feel. I've asked myself sometimes why I'm in a public job because it didn't really seem like me growing up. I've often wondered, why did I choose it? I don't even... I'm not even interested in the the part of it that comes with it. So when you ask yourself, why did you choose a job that's public? You could have done a million things, obviously, helped a ton of people different ways. Why did you think you chose a public job? Well, I think two things come to mind and you talk about your parents. I think it's the way growing up as I look back, right? We start to unpack as adults Mm -hmm. why we are the way we are Mm -hmm. in the best light um, with true curiosity. And I look back at my growth and my mom would always, she was so, and still is so proud of me. Mm -hmm. And I became a dancer, you know, at a young age and my mom would in front of, you know, my whole family, she's one of 10 kids. So it'll be every weekend we do family barbecues and family cookouts. And she's like, dance in front of everyone. Oh, she said that? Yeah, she's like, Allie can really dance or like do the monologue you did in class. Like, I'm like, mom, it was for a like school <laughs> thing. It wasn't even real. Yeah. My mom was so proud, like profoundly proud of me mm-hmm. that she would always want me to perform for everyone. Okay. And I think what I did at that age was associate if I could perform and be perfect and like do these things well, then therefore everyone would love me. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is that I... As I moved to New York and started to go to college, I recognized that I associate love with this idea of perfection mm-hmm. and or performance. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't applaud me, then therefore I am doing bad yeah. or a bad person, yeah. which in isolation seems like not a good thing. Mm-hmm. But it was something that I recognized that wasn't necessarily all bad. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things where if you leverage and switch it around, it actually is for good. Is that my mom did something that was important. She let me be me and show mm-hmm. the whole world who I was mm-hmm. every weekend mm-hmm. with my family. Right. She was just proud of who I was. And uh-huh. who I am. And I think uh-huh. that to me is where I had to come back to that center a little bit of like, it's not necessarily me seeking love out in the world. Mm-hmm. It's me being myself and loving myself within the world. Within the world. Yeah. Um, a question I love to ask. Someone mm-hmm. asked me this question once and it was so good that I was like, oh, I'm stealing oh. that. I'm going to ask everybody. Um, <laughs> so close your eyes. Okay. Okay. And imagine your childhood bedroom. So mm-hmm. look around. 
see what's on the walls, what's in the bookshelves, what's, what are the sheets like, mm-hmm. what's the vibe, and just open your eyes and describe it to me. So my childhood bedroom, my walls are light pink. Mm. We got as a kid to my sister and I to choose what color we wanted to paint our bedrooms. And so mine's light pink. My carpet is dark blue, but mm. dark blue carpet. I have a small TV on a small dresser. I never turned it on. I didn't watch TV growing up, actually. You didn't? No. Did you want to? Or? No, I had no desire. Oh, so it was probably unplugged. Like, yeah. as I think about it, the plug was like, it wasn't <laughs> plugged in. Um, I have a, you know, a little small twin size bed. Mm-hmm. And then on my wall was a painting of a little girl. She's sitting in a chair and she's like leaned over a book and she's writing as if she's doing her homework. Hmm. And it's so interesting because my sister was in town, which you were so lovely to bring she's her amazing. on set. I she loved her. It like made her whole life. She cried. <laughs> um, but my sister brought this up two weeks ago when she was here in New York visiting me. She said, do you remember the painting you had on your wall? As a kid, my dad, best friend, he used to take care of us when we were kids. Um, He committed suicide when we were young. And so we lost him at a very young age. And so we were talking about him. And she said, remember that painting you would never, she's like, it's still up to this day. Because his name is Nick, was Nick. Nick gave it to you. And I think, and, and so we started to unpack this and it was more in a celebration, a celebratory mm-hmm. way of just like remembering him and how much fun we used to have with him and how he gave me this gift. And I kept it for so many years mm. to this day. And I told her, I said, do you, do you think I'm that little girl? And she's like, you're definitely the little girl. You are, the, the girl always working. You never stop working, sis. Even when you were little? When I was little, I'm like, you know, doing my homework. I, I did my homework. I was on time. I was prepared. I was up early. I danced after school. Like I, exactly how I am right now is how I have always been. And she was like, you're still that little girl in your painting. And I was like, oh, was that God. hard to to, hmm. to to carry that as a kid? Or was that just what you did? I have a lot of energy, so it was probably necessary, to be uh-huh, honest. Uh-huh. I think everyone wanted me to do the most, so <laughs> I like, keep going, did Alan. not wear them out. Um, what, was there anything else on the walls? Were you, did you have it, posters? Or no, it was just that just one painting. Just that one painting. I didn't, you know, I have friends who talk about like, oh, I had this iconic 90s person that I was, yeah. I, I, didn't, you didn't. I didn't listen to music. I had three albums that I listened to, CDs that they? I listened to. It was The Greatest Hits of Tupac, the clean version, because I couldn't listen to curse words. Okay. Celine Dion. Yes. And then Avril Lavigne. That was, those are my three Wait, on repeat. And then like when I got to college, I started listening to NDRE. Like yeah. that was like legit God, my NDRE. childhood. It was music. I was dancing all the time. I just like did work. I was like doing my homework all the time. And then one of the things I used to do um, was cook. I wanted to really make curry chicken very well as a, as a young kid. So I'd come home from school and, and cook? cook curry chicken. And I've had some, I've fed my family some really bad food in this child. <laughs> it was like six months of curry chicken. That was terrible. So your mom was the cheerleader. Yes. And how about your dad? My dad, to this day, I always say he's like a hippie. Yeah, he's is like, he? Oh, yeah. He has long hair all the way down yeah. to like his waist, blonde. He has blue eyes, wears glasses, um, always cracking a joke. Right. Always something. He has, he's always like saying something funny. Yeah. Yeah. But he's very free spirited. Is he? Like he is. Yeah. My mom is more structured and, you know, she's religious and she plays by the book, you know, and we're going to mm-hmm. do what we're going to do. We're going to mm-hmm. do it well mm-hmm. and you're going to be good at it. Mm-hmm. Like we had a rule. If anyone in class could get an A, it should be you. 
Wow. That was our rule. Wow. Whereas my dad was like, who cares? <laughs> like, do what you want. He's like, if you don't get an A, you're fine. Yeah, like, you're yeah. okay. Like, my dad is to this day. That just like, yeah. And they, yeah, yin and yang. And it worked out where, yes, I, I always say I work hard, but honey, I party harder. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm, oh, yes. Growing, don't let it fool you. <laughs> growing up biracial, how was mm-hmm. that for you? What were the, the challenges and what were the kind of best parts? I didn't realize for a long time that I was like biracial. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a conversation. It yep. was not until one time my sister woke up in the middle of the night and she ran into my parents' bedroom and she was like, mom, you're black, dad, you're white. Like she had- How, how old was- She was probably like six or five or six. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of those revelations. And I think that was the kind of unlock for us and that we started to talk about it mm. where it's like, oh, what does it mean to be white? What does it mean to be black? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be both? Mm-hmm. Growing up in school, there were very many moments where, you know, you are, bu- I was bullied just right. like most people. We, we go through, unfortunately, we go through those phases where kids don't know any better. And I'm pretty sure if we did, we'd probably do better. Mm-hmm. But it would be like, you call me white girl or you're like, oh, you're not black or, you know, right. it, it was one, you're, I'm never like white enough for the white kids. I'm never black enough for the black kids. So I used to call myself, again, I, what did I know? I was like, oh, I'm gray. When <laughs> oh, that's you take, what you said? Yes. When you take a black and white crayon in school because you're coloring, you're like, you get gray. It's like, well, I'm gray. I don't know what to (laughs) tell anyone. Oh, that's so beautiful. Did you talk to your parents about it or did they? My mother was just like, you are who you are. She's in my mom to this day. It doesn't matter what color you are. You're a child of God. If anybody asks you what color you are, you're a child of God. That's it. That's beautiful. That's, That's all you need to know. That's all you need to worry about. And... I really did. And she did tell me, she's like, you have two loving parents, like you have a good life. And that's what I lean into, to be Mm -hmm. honest. I didn't really engage in those conversations around my race, my nationality. I didn't shy away from them because of being nervous or scared, but I didn't think they were important. And my mom made sure when I was very young, by the age of like eight to nine, those are not important conversations. Wow, People are going to have them with you. But you're a child of God. Important. You're good. You're yeah. good. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, my, if my mom that. tells me that I'm good, you're good. Trust me, she's the only one that I try, you know, that I talk to. Someone uh, said to me, they said, there's something that she described as a life sentence. It's mm-hmm. a sentence that someone tells you when you're a child and it stays with you throughout your life. And for some, it does become a life sentence. It is, it becomes what defines you, what I, what, how you identify. And sometimes that can come from someone you don't even know very well, but Mm -hmm. it's like an ouch that when it comes again, you feel it like a wave. Here it comes. Uh, Do you have, is there anything that comes to mind for you? It's um, when I was a kid, someone in my family, this again, coming from a good place, we were playing a game and I think we were putting together a puzzle or something in one of my rooms. And they're like, you never, you're not a finisher. It was like an older cousin. You're not a finisher. And, I, you know, as a kid, I'm like, what? Huh? What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah. They're like, you don't finish anything. For some strange reason, this was like when I was really young. You remember it. I remember that. <sighs> like, for be, to be called that a person that doesn't finish or see things through, I don't know. I didn't even understand it at the time, but I knew it wasn't good. You know, I was like, you were oh, like, no. oh, I'll prove that person. And exactly. And Isn't so that it, interesting? I think, but I think about it on the... I do have a new rule as an adult. I will not finish bad books and I do not have to finish <laughs> bad movies. Yeah. Time in life is are, too that's short. That's if good. the book isn't good, I'm cutting it halfway good. through and I'm letting you know, don't read that book. Good, <laughs> good. okay, you know? fair enough. 
Um, so I, I have feel like I've taken that back a little bit of not trying to finish for the sake of, of that right. title. Yeah. But I do keep it in mind in moments where I do want to give up. Yeah. Like sometimes like, I'm teaching class or, or if yes. I'm running by myself. Yes. I'm like, I want to give up. And it's just like, I remember those words and I use them for energy. By I'm the like, way, I'm a finisher. That's really good. There's a script. I think each of us has a script that we have for our lives. When we're mm. 20, there's a script that we say, I'm a this. When you get mm. to be in your 30s, you're like, up. Oh, here's my script now. Yeah. 40s is different. 50s, every decade, your script evolves. And some people get stuck in their same script. It's like you're chasing the same thing you've been chasing, but what are you doing? Because it's been 20 years and you're telling the old stories when we're here now. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like your script obviously has evolved. You started working at the Today Show, which is such a thrill for us. So it evolves excited. on, it's been evolving on, you're kind of on a on a rocket ship, I feel like, and you're hanging on and you're doing an incredible job. But if you were to describe this, this script, this yeah. chapter, how would you, how would you categorize it personally, professionally? I'm reclaiming my confidence. And I know to people who hear that, they're like, oh my God, are you kidding? (laughs) Allie Love, she's really confident. I'm reclaiming my confidence in that I feel like I've been on in the last couple of years, and I was talking about this last night at a Love Squad event. It's like the last couple of years, I feel like I lost myself a little bit. Mm. I started comparing myself a lot. Mm. You know, you talk about it. Social media is, it's just tough. It's tough on kids. It's also tough on adults. Mm -hmm. And I started like comparing where, I was right now in my career and then in my personal life and looking at all the things I didn't have, Mm -hmm. not necessarily focusing on what I do have. And I would compare it to where my colleagues are or where people that I followed for years, where they are and how I either am not there or like they're progressing so much quicker than Mm -hmm. I am. And I recognize that it was killing my confidence. Mm. It was it was making me immobile. Mm. I would be scared to reach out to people to go to coffee or tea, Mm -hmm. right? Like to have a chat. So I'm like, well, nobody really likes me. Like, mm. and, I, and I came to the conclusion that I wasn't really in love with myself anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't like who I had become mm-hmm. because I became a product of the comparison, which is like a shell of myself. And I'm, you know, granted, I know how to teach a Peloton class and I know how to be on camera. So I'm not faking it. I know how to do these things well, but I wasn't doing them fully. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm rewriting my script right now to be more confident, mm. to be more secure, to be more grateful like, and we hear this all the time. It's like, well, you got to be grateful. Being grateful is active. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. not waking up yeah. and like and saying yeah. the birds are chirping and it's yeah, sunshine and everyone. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't wake up like that. I don't yeah. think anyone or rarely people do. I wake up and I'm, it's a choice and I'm going to be grateful. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I can move today. Mm-hmm. And and I have to like, I got to yank myself back. And it's and I talk to myself on the way in to mm-hmm. the Today Show. You belong there. Yeah. They like you. They want you there. You have mm-hmm. something to offer. Mm-hmm. You're here to help people. Yes. This is not for you. This yes. is for other folks yes. too. Yes. So I think that that's where I am is like rewriting the script and reclaiming my confidence and like me being myself and liking myself a little bit yeah. more. Like yeah. I really, you know, <laughs> showing up how I am, a little quirky sometimes, like all yeah. over the place, talking fast. And, yeah. But being also you. just, yeah. Being so you. I feel like I didn't do that for a long, for the last three years. I, I think it's so, because I've been having this exact conversation with other friends too, who are going through a very similar stage. And they're talking about like, what if people, what if I'm a hundred percent myself and people don't like that person? Because mm. it's one thing not to like, the TV or the this, but what if they don't like me? And I was having a conversation with a friend and I said, so you're about to be who you are, who God created. Mm -hmm. And you're worried that Mary Smith, Mm -hmm. who you don't know, is not going to like the person God created. You're worried about Mary Smith on 
Twitter and on Insta that she might not like Who the God person created. God made. Wow. And she looked at me and I was feel I was t- talking to myself, really. I was talking yeah. to her, I was talking to myself. But it was, it is, I think we're all in the boat. We're all in that boat together, like trying to remember yeah. why we're here. And God in your world is your world. Yeah. Well, I you mean, just since, got me. I'm like all yeah. teary eyed because you're just, I'm like, who am I not to like who God created? Yeah. Like, yeah. Who am I to not? Wow. But you, you know? but faith has been one of your tent, is your tent pole. I mean, you have a bunch of tent poles in your life, but you've needed God, obviously, yes. uh, throughout, sometimes more than others. Mm-hmm. Tell me about when you were a little girl, Mm -hmm. you were just nine, I think, Mm -hmm. and something life-changing happened. Yeah. When I was um, nine years old, I got hit by a car. We were at one of the family gatherings every weekend, Mm -hmm. like I talked about, and I went to um, go get it. You know, you hear the magical noise and there's an ice cream truck coming and you're like, can I get a dollar? Can I get two dollars? And so I go across the street to get an ice cream. And as I'm walking across, back across the street, you know, I look both ways. I'm nine years old. i follow the rules, as mm-hmm. I told you. And it just happened where the timing was the car was parked behind the ice cream truck, drove out, hit Ooh. me. I flew up in the air, body landed on the top of the car. And then oh, I rode to the side of the road. I broke my left femur, scarred up my body, um, cracked all my teeth. And, you know, I was passed out and my, mm-hmm. you know, my whole family came out, the ambulance come, I go to the hospital and I'm in traction for five days because young kids don't break their hips. So they have to ship something from China to be made to do surgery. I'm losing a lot of blood. And um, the doctor pulled my mom to the side and she was just like, he he talked to her and he said, you know, it's not looking good. She's in traction. This is a long time for her. She's so small. Hmm. And she's losing, you know, just, it, it's just, it's going to be tough. And my mom came back and she was, she spoke to me. She's like, I have to talk to you. And I was like, Yeah. And she was just like, you know, you have two options here. Mm-hmm. You know, you can let go and go on because it's really hard. Like, I can't change places with you. Or you can fight and you pray and fight for your life. Like, but if you're going to, you know, if there's fighting to be done, you're going to have to fight for your life. I can't do it. And I remember looking at my mom and I was just like, I'm going to pray and fight for my life. That's, you know, <laughs> that was what I was going to do. And my mom doesn't remember exactly like that. She's like, I remember it a little different. And I was like, I'm telling you, this is the conversation Mm, we had. I remember looking out of the window Mm -hmm. in the hospital room thinking like, God, we have to come. I have to come out of this. Yeah. Like, and and I, it was like a bargaining thing as a little kid. You know, we grew up in a house. My mom talked freely about God to this day. It was a part of, it was my, part of my experience. And I just remember making a deal with God and say, (laughs) if you're real, I'm going to live. That's the only way. And obviously as a kid, how would I know if I didn't live if it was real, you know? But I just remember thinking like, if you're real, like you're going to save me and I'm going to live. I'm going to fight. My mom Mm -hmm. says fight. I'm going to fight. And I often say those two things of praying and fighting for my life, I've never stopped doing since the age Mm -hmm. of nine. And that I came out of that and I was like, I know what it feels like for your Mm. life to almost be taken in a second. Mm. So I am, that's why I'm all over the place. I'm everywhere all at once. Yes. Yes. Because I get it. Life is so short and Mm -hmm. it's so temporary. Mm -hmm. So I want to enjoy it. I want to have a good time. And faith is the epitome of that. It's like, maybe I negotiate with God once in a while, which I know we've had some tough conversations, (laughs) me and God recently. But it's like, I have to trust that when I look back and I was talking to a friend of mine and when I look back over the course of my life in the big moments, is that God blesses you in a pattern. Mm. And one of my girlfriends was talking about this. Mm. She's like, look at the patterns in which you were blessed. 
How did you react? What were you doing? Mm -hmm. Did you have to really fight for them? Mm -hmm. Did you have to be patient? Did you have to be quiet? Mm -hmm. Look at how God blesses you in the big moments and operate within your pattern of blessings. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's really and good. So that's what, and that's what I do is like, I have that faith of let me operate in my pattern of blessings because God has never failed me. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I could have been gone. I couldn't, this yeah. would not be a thing, right. you know? Right. And for me to live such a fulfilling life. Yes. I mean, come yes. on. You are, li you're, you're like living the life. Yes. You're living the life. Did, um, you, we, that's, a, that was a life changing moment for you. If you're, when you look back on your life and you were to say, this is the time where I was challenged the most, Oof. um, what memory or thought comes to mind for you? I think I'm being challenged right now the most. Mm. And maybe because I'm in it, it feels greater. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't have anything to like, I have past things, but maybe because they're not pl close in proximity that I don't mm -hmm. think that they're the most Mm -hmm. biggest thing right now. I don't know how you do it. And mm -hmm. it, it's a learning curve for me. There is something to be said about genuinely wanting to be the person I am, mm -hmm. being strategic around my business. So I navigate the mm -hmm. world, wanting to be liked by the world without losing myself, mm -hmm. wanting to protect my family mm -hmm. and, you know, be there for them. Want to make my mother proud, you know, mm -hmm. make my grandma proud, which is important to me, my husband. <laughs> to be, mm -hmm. Like it's, it's this thing of wanting to be almost all things to all people, mm -hmm. but still be myself, which is highly impossible. Yeah, it is. And so, and do everything that I do, which I love doing so publicly when sometimes I'm hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's hard. That's so hard to do. I think that right now I'm learning how to operate differently as an adult, as a, in a new space in my life, mm -hmm. dealing with some things that aren't going great. Mm -hmm. Um but that I know will, you know, that I have faith that will pan out. Mm -hmm. So I think that right now, I think I'm in one of those greatest challenges because I'm, I'm being shaped. Like God is molding me into mm -hmm. the next version of Ali. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm fortunate because I have my husband there who's like my biggest cheerleader. And he, he is just like so, I mean, so funny and so cute. <laughs> and he's just like, you're fine. I say this all the time in my class. I always yeah. look in the camera and I say, you're okay. I always say that. Yeah, and every time okay. at home. He looks at me and goes, you're okay. You're okay. And I'm like, it works. And I'm how like, you're did, right. How I'm did you okay. know he was the right one, by the way? How did I know he was? I, he's so smart. Yeah. I think he has the, it, yep. the right one came along because it's like a trifecta for me. Mm -hmm. um, he has emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. which is very hard to find yeah. sometimes. He is actually like, he has IQ, right? Mm -hmm. Like intellectual intelligence. And like, that's incredible. But then there's like this part of him that is so witty and hilarious <laughs> and just nuts, right? Which right. I vibe with very yes, well. Yes. So in my like in my house, if you've ever seen some of those memes where it's like one dog that just lays flat on the floor <laughs> and then the other little dog just biting on them, <laughs> yeah. I'm the little dog biting on him and just like dancing around the house and like yeah. then he'll just crack a joke and he's, yeah. his wittiness and timeliness is so like funny. Uh. So I just feel like that the combination of being emotionally connected and emotional intelligence for the folks around us and then really being intelligent, being able, I always say he can solve the world's problems in an apocalypse. Wow. Yeah. He's that guy. He's that guy. He'll figure it out. Coming up, Allie shares the practices that feed her soul and the routines that guide her, including the one question she asks herself every morning. Stay with us. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, Eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs. 
containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash space. Just go to Indeed.com slash space right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash space. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back to you being nine and being hurt and going Mm. through all that. To to imagine that that little nine-year-old would turn into a professional dancer (laughs) is beyond comprehension. I mean, like, so that you, uh, some kids have to practice. You had a bunch of other stuff to overcome. Did you ever think to yourself, because you loved dance when you were a kid, well, that dream's going to have to be on hold Mm. because this is what, this is God sending me a message right here. I've got another talent. I must, you know, because I'm not meant to do this. I I don't know if I thought that I wasn't meant to do it, but I also don't know if I thought I was meant to do it. Mm. I think that I was just going to go for it. Like once I was nine, it was like, there's nothing like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like all of this could be gone. So I had this little bit of a fearlessness to get out in the world. Mm -hmm. And the way I found dance was after I got hit by a car, um, I was homeschooled. So I was just by myself for a Mm. year. And to kind of Who ease back you? into... Your mom, your mom taught you? No, we had like a teacher, teacher that would come. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I would put her through the ringer yeah. as a little girl. Um, I would How come you were homeschooled? Just because of the medical stuff? I couldn't stuff? move. You couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't walk. You couldn't walk. So Jeez. for one year, I had on a cast. I had a body cast that would go around my waist all the way down my leg. So I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't play with kids. Nothing. So I was in the God. house. Most of our family would come over to our house for the weekends, like I told you, mm-hmm. and because we, I you couldn't take me. And then after six months, they um, cut it down to where it was just from the knee up, but still around my waist. Oh my god! So it, it was it was a whole process. So you couldn't go, you couldn't do anything. Couldn't do. We couldn't for a do kid. anything. Exactly. How did you? How did you not go crazy? I think I did, which yeah. is why I think I put that teacher <laughs> through the ring. Yeah, I, I should find her and apologize yeah. to this day. I would not listen to anything she said yeah. and like You'd start talking it. about anything random. Yeah, oh my gosh. But then I once it was time to like ease back into society. It was summertime, and my mom's best friend, who's like a second mom to me, Miss Lizzie, her daughter Jasmine was in a, a program. She's like, we're gonna put Allie in that program too, and it was just like dance a, program. Yeah, well, mm. it was like an after school, like a oh, summer yeah. program, mm-hmm. summer camp. And so we'd go to a day summer camp and they offered dance and I loved it. I fell in love. You did? Yeah. And at the end of the summer, you did a performance. So you had to pick what performance you want to do. And I'm like, I'm going to do dance. And I remember the dance teacher going to my mom and was like, I think your daughter's really special. She has something. And, you know, my mom kind of joked and was like, I don't know. And I was like, no, mom, I love it. Yeah. And I fell in love with dance. And I was like, I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to get on stage and I'm going to do this. 
And I, I did. I started doing, mm-hmm. I went to middle school for dance. And then high school, I had to audition for New World School of the Arts. Mm. And I remember, which was interesting, I auditioned for these high schools for their dance program. And I really wanted to get in. Hoda, I really wanted to get into New World. It was mm-hmm. the best. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, again, God, come on. Like, yeah. you got it. Like, give me yeah. something here. Yeah. I go to the audition. I give it my good old college try as a kid. We get a letter and I was on the wait list. Mm. And I was like, okay, you know, making good. up my mind. I got like it. When, yeah. yep, when we go back to school, I'm going to go to a different high school. And I, I remember my dad calling one, I was with one of my friends calling the mom was like, can, can I talk to Allie? This was like a couple days in. So I'm thinking I'm in trouble. Did I not yeah. do the dishes? Yeah. My dad gets on the phone and he's screaming and I'm just like, what is going what, on? Right. What is he's like, you got in, you got in. He's like, New World sent you, they literally sent a letter and said they made a mistake. Oh my God. They sent you the wrong letter. It was like, I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, you got in, you're going. And it forever changed. And I was like, this is, remember that faith we're talking about? Oh yeah. I was like, this is a sign. I I went to that school, forever changed my life. Oh my God. Moved to New York, went to Alvin Ailey Fordham. Oh yeah. Got a bachelor's in fine arts and I started dancing. Like I just fell in love with it. And again, I'm not sure if I chose it technically or it chose me, but it was a course where I was like, I'm just going to to try it. I'm so you majored it. in dance and you minored in theology. Theology, the study of religion. And I wanted to know why we believe what we believe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was it because you were questioning or wanted to learn or was it you just liked the field? What was it at that time? I moved to New York and New York is such a special place yeah. and everyone was so different yeah. in school. I wanted to know why my mom thought what we believed was the right thing yeah. to believe yeah. versus like my roommate's mom, who's also awesome, yeah. and they believe something different. Yeah. And so it was more of how do I coexist in a new state, a new city that I don't know very well with people that are highly different than me, but I know that I love these people. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was more of figuring out the roots of what I believe and the roots of what other beliefs were so I could understand what is that common ground, so I can articulate and, and I, I don't want to compromise what I believe, sure. but I don't want you either to do right. so. Right. And so how could I relate and and be in a space to coexist and, and facilitate a good environment? So I was very keen on that. Did when I was you in, find like there was common ground? Is that what you learned at the oh, end of the day? Yeah. I think most people think that. Yeah. Not all, but many people can say like the root of many of the stories. Yeah. Right. When you go and look back in the history and the way things mm-hmm. are written and genuinely, I think above all, when you look at the epitome of what each book mm-hmm. is about, mm-hmm. It's based on fundamental principles mm-hmm. of that love, mm-hmm. of obedience, which is interesting. Like mm-hmm. this idea of love, obedience, of sacrifice mm-hmm. instead of and, and suffering in some regard, they're all key principles that come up in mm-hmm. our lives. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do we deal with them collectively? Mm-hmm. Like we're all going through different things, but similarly. Yeah, I right? love that. You know what I'm saying? Like your yes. your thing is your thing, yeah. and I'm going through something. Yeah. But we're going through it at the same time. Yes. And so I it just I found like it, it brought me back to kind of like the alchemist where it's like I took that long way home and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we can all do this together. To be evolved, I feel like in this world and the way everything's changing is you have to you have to make an effort. You can't sit around and say, you know, you're changing as you're going. So there, you you have tools, you have books, you have. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're a therapist. I'm not sure what you're doing, but what is your boilerplate so that you realize? Because I think, like to me, if you're not if you're not hungry, learning, mm. you're you're sort of missing the boat. But what what are your tools? Like, what do you use day in and day out? So the number one thing I think that I would probably highlight because I think it's accessible for most people is I audible. I I listen to a lot of books. Mm -hmm. I do go to therapy. Like I do have my group of friends that I cry to Mm -hmm. and that I talk to, which is so important. 
But one of the things that I recognize that I find peace is when I can get on and find a book mm-hmm. and listen to it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there's a saying, there's nothing new under the sun. I know that I'm, while I'm going through my unique experience, there are methods that experts have talked about on how to handle this or mm-hmm. how to start thinking about this mm-hmm. or to gather perspective. And so I do that I, in the moments that I feel frustrated mm-hmm. or I don't feel, you know, I'm dealing with some anxiety. I will put on my headphones and I'll listen to a book. I'll listen to a sermon. Mm-hmm. So the last couple of days I listened to Stephen Furtick, a couple of sermons just to get me back grounded mm-hmm. on like, what is important? What do mm-hmm. I need to know? And for me, those are resources that are accessible to right. many people. Yeah. And that's the thing I hold true. It's like, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be fly. No. It doesn't have to be no. any of those things. Just something that so, speaks this to is, you. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, it's like a one Catalyst hit. for change is conversation. And even internal dialogue can be that conversation for that change. Yeah. And so I, I open my ears and my heart to those books and, and to the sermons to, to have that, to find that inner peace a little bit on the yeah. rough times. It's like a warm hand on your mm-hmm. heart. Like you need something that'll just give you that. So a lot of people morning routines, morning yeah. and evening routines kind of set, they bookend the day and they're important. Like, yes. I feel like if I mess up my morning routine, <laughs> when I get to work, I am not right. And it doesn't matter what time, like I get up at three, I do my morning routine every yes. morning. Cause if I don't, I'll be straggly and crazy. Mm-hmm. So what is your, your eyes open mm-hmm. and what's your morning routine before you step out the door? So my eyes open, um, most times my alarm just went off. Yeah. I don't press news ever. I don't, okay. I don't, it, you don't believe in oh, it. I don't, oh okay. my gosh, I don't. If the alarm, you set the alarm the night before when you were very much in the right mind <laughs> yeah, set. Yeah. So trust yourself, you know? And right. also if I press news, then I'm actually mean to everyone else. Like to be <laughs> yeah, honest, it puts yeah. me in a bad space. So I wake up, I don't press um, snooze. I get up, I, I get up right away. Right away, I do not feet lay. on the floor. Oh, no, 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 no. Feet on the floor right away. Uh-huh. I don't, and then I say prayers, say mm. my prayers. I'll mm-hmm. get up and I start like, I go to the bathroom. I start brushing my teeth, getting ready for work. And I always ask myself this question. It's a two-part question. How or what do I want to feel today? Mm-hmm. So I've like gotten up, I've said my prayers, and then I anchor myself in this answer. Reason because, just like many folks, I start to be reactive mm-hmm. to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, if you take the train in New York City and it's late, you start to get frustrated. Yeah, you're cursing yeah. in your head. Yeah. You know, it just, somebody All gives you things. a weird look at the coffee shop and you're just like, who are you? You know, you're having this, you're making up, <laughs> right. you're reacting making up to the whole conversation. this whole thing. Yeah. And so what I've recognized is I don't like her. I don't mm-hmm. like the alley that's mm-hmm. reactive. I don't mm-hmm. like it. And I don't want to give people that much power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in order not to be reactive, to be proactive, I ask, I anchor myself in that answer of either what or how do I want to feel today? Mm-hmm. And some days I can say, I just want to be quiet today. Yeah. Yeah. And I let that be my like running thing. Mm-hmm. That That is my morning routine. The re- reason for that, it sets the stage for the rest of the day. If there's a meeting and they ask any more questions, I don't, I'm not raising my hand because I'm quiet, quiet today. today. Yeah. And I feel I like safe. That. I feel good. Yeah. I feel confident and secure and aware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like those are the things that have really been helpful. Another layer that I recognize is important is on my way to work. I do feed myself. Like I talk about, you know, books audio, on, on audio mm-hmm. or music or sermons, but I put on good music. Mm, we talk like, about good music yeah, to wake like up what? to. Yeah. Um, well, oh my gosh. I was listening to Lean On Me in a class. Mm. I, that just got yes, me all in my feels. Yes. I was like, I'm about to save the world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go mm-hmm. out here and save the world. I'm going to be the, you know, I'm over here like smiling at everyone. They're like, okay, lady, calm down. <sighs> um, but I put on, I have like my feel good playlist. 
playlist in the morning if I need that extra boost. Mm-hmm. And again, I let that 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 vibe carry me throughout the day. And then at night when it's time to wind down, I go to bed at nine o'clock. Let yeah. me be honest. Yeah, good. Honestly, eight thirty yes. on a good night. Eight thirty. Yes. Amen. Like, there's nothing good happening no, out there nothing. after dark. Nobody's interested. No. No. <laughs> nothing. So I tend to like. I'm home. I love a good dinner. Yeah. I do wake up in the morning. I will say while I'm doing my morning routine, I do figure out what I'm eating the, that night. I live for my food. It's like, so I'm wait, like a little doggy. So wait, are you taking stuff out of the freezer? Well, sometimes whatever. I'll do that. Like when I wake up, I'm like, ooh, what's for dinner today? I told <laughs> that you. That is like, so hilarious. It, yes. And then I'm like, ooh, like certain days I'm like, ooh, this is what we have. Like Fridays we have Indian. I've talked yeah. about this. I'm like, oh, it's Friday. We're having Indian tonight. I'm going to order at 6.30. Like I live, plan I live it for it. Yes. For the Indian at 6.30. Yes. So in my morning, in my nighttime routine, I'm like, I'm ha- pretty happy because yeah. I'm having the food that I've already planned <laughs> so at 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> but more importantly, I realize sometimes it's hard for my brain to shut off, yeah. even though I'm tired. So I tend to play word games mm. or like these like mindless games, mm-hmm. um, like connections mm-hmm. or Wordle or Wordsy, mm-hmm. just to really decompress. Mm-hmm. I get in the bed and then once I play my game, I put my phone away. I go back you, to doing breathing exercises because yeah. I think it brings down my levels. Breathing is good, Ooh. yeah. And then I pray and then... I am, if there was a Guinness Book of World Records on how quickly someone could sleep, I'd win. You could fall, you really fall right asleep after that? Literally in 60 seconds, less. Wow. Someone once told me that if your mind is spinning and you can't sleep because you have so many thoughts, that you should sit there and say to yourself in your brain, Mm -hmm. I wonder what my next thought's going to be. Oh my gosh, really? if you say that, I wonder what it's going to be. It just, they start, they start like dissolving away. Huh. You're like, I'm I wonder try what it's going to be. Oh, sure. And then you wake up and the next day. And you're like, oh, it's morning. It worked. Um, I agree with the music thing. My The song I have on my wake up is the song that was introduced to me by Maria Shriver, who mm-hmm. I adore. And it's By Thy Grace. And I said, Maria, why do you like this song? And she said to me, when I was going through my breakup, there was one song that soothed me. And it's this kind of random song that I... It's kind of chanty, weird song, mm-hmm. I, but it's very soothing. And it reminds me that music, music, music can be like the, mm-hmm. it's, that's the warm hand mm-hmm. on the heart. The music is what does it. And if you have, if you don't, when I go, when I'm on my way home and I always take the train home, mm-hmm. I always flood my head with music. And wow. it is all of a sudden, I don't even care. Like all the things that might get stuck in your crawl, like mm-hmm. why is that person bumping me? And why is this? Because no one's paying attention to us mm-hmm. or what they're not here to disrupt our lives they're just living theirs There's. and I sometimes I get like what was that about and then I realize like we're all in our own private Idaho's in a weird way coming up what a perfect day for Allie Love looks like after the break Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
So let me just wrap up by asking you this. So this is called Making Space. Yes. So if Allie has a day that she knows is only for her, it is your your husband is working. Mm-hmm. You can you open your eyes. You have not one your calendar, which is now overcrowded. That you need to actually start editing. I feel like your life needs an edit, but your overcrowded <laughs> calendar for some reason is blank. Okay, and it's a miracle. And you've opened your eyes, and it's your day. And you can you can do anything you want with your day. Uh, what would you do with? How would you make space for yourself on that day? I think the first thing that comes to mind is I'd get up and go to hot yoga. <laughs> I love. You love hot yoga. I love hot yoga. You like sweating. And I just love doing it. The, yeah, all of just, it. it it's all of the things. Yes, all of the things. I feel like I'd then I'd shower, come yeah. home. This is gonna sound really funny, <laughs> but I would have Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> Chipotle is awesome. Oh, okay. I have Chipotle. Yeah. And then I sit down with a cup of tea and like some biscuits and watch British Murder Mysteries. I, I know it. this. No, like, it this doesn't. Is my I love it. Day. Okay, British. Like I would binge watch like British Murder Mysteries. Like, and these are the ones that aren't that are they're not scary. <laughs> no, um, with like a what endless wa- cup of tea. Yeah, where, like, where are you watching British Murder Mysteries? What oh, is the Brit Box? Which is I subscribe to Brit Box. I don't even know what British Murder Mysteries I, are. British I, people and it's murders. Like they recreate like Agatha Christie oh. or like Sherlock Holmes. Like I love oh. Sherlock Holmes. Oh my god, <laughs> you're so funny, weirdo. I know. <laughs> okay, so you'd watch all that. I like watch. So all now that. it's five o'clock. Let's okay. pretend. Yes, but now, it, now it's five o'clock. Okay. Wait, can I like have dinner with? Oh someone? yeah, yes. You oh, now my husband yes. can come back. Yeah. Yes. Then we'd have Indian. You'd and, like, order we'd have Indian, Indian. Oh my god, I that you would have planned it for in the morning. Yes, I would have planned it in the morning. Have Indian. And then after we finish eating, I would then open a book and start reading and go to bed early. By the way, it sounds like a perfect day. I'm telling you, it sounds like a perfect day. Allie, I love you. I'm so happy you were on the podcast. Come back anytime. Oh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and for coming on this journey with me. If you like what you heard, and I hope that you do, please give Making Space a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you tell your friends, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Making Space with Hoda Kotb is produced by Allison Berger and Alexa Kasavecchia, with a special thanks to Ali Markowitz. Our production assistant is Megan Celio. Our associate audio engineer is Juliana Mastrarilli. Our audio engineers are Bob Mallory and Katherine Anderson. Original music by John Estes. Bryson Barnes is our head of audio production. Missy Dunlop-Parsons is our executive producer. Sharice Williams-Laredo is our senior producer. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.